Attention all true crime and mystery lovers. Are you tired of reading the same old detective stories? Well, look no further, because my book, The Case, is here to satisfy your cravings for a thrilling and suspenseful read. Follow my journey as I unravel a complicated homicide case while almost losing my own family in the process. The case has twists and turns at every corner. You'll be on the edge of your seat until the very end. But don't just take our word for it. Crime and Cookie Juice followers everywhere are raving about the case. They can't get enough of the clever plots and intriguing characters that keep them guessing until the final pages. So why wait? Purchase the case on Amazon today and experience the excitement for yourself. Trust us, you won't regret it. Attention all true crime and mystery lovers. Are you tired of reading the same old detective stories? Well, look no further, because my book, The Case, is here to satisfy your cravings for a thrilling and suspenseful read. Follow my journey as I unravel a complicated homicide case while almost losing my own family in the process. The case has twists and turns at every corner. You'll be on the edge of your seat until the very end. But don't just take our word for it. Crime and Cookie Juice followers everywhere are raving about the case. They can't get enough of the clever plots and intriguing characters that keep them guessing until the final pages. So why wait? Purchase the case on Amazon today and experience the excitement for yourself. Trust us, you won't regret it. Attention all true crime and mystery lovers. Are you tired of reading the same old detective stories? Well, look no further, because my book, The Case, is here to satisfy your cravings for a thrilling and suspenseful read. Follow my journey as I unravel a complicated homicide case while almost losing my own family in the process. The case has twists and turns at every corner. You'll be on the edge of your seat until the very end. But don't just take our word for it. Crime and Cookie Juice followers everywhere are raving about the case. They can't get enough of the clever plots and intriguing characters that keep them guessing until the final pages. So why wait? Purchase the case on Amazon today and experience the excitement for yourself. Trust us, you won't regret it. I'm going to go ahead and record this because this should be documented. It's hilarious. <laughs> Can you hear me? That's much better. Okay. Yeah, that is podcast quality sound there. All right, Chris, what are we doing? Oh my gosh. Let's be podcast. <laughs> Good evening, podcast junkies. This is Detective Chris Anderson. And I'm criminal defense attorney Fatima Silva. And this is our new podcast called Crime and Cookie Juice. <laughs> so We're going to work on that. <laughs> you know, I think we should explain to folks a little bit about what cookie juice means. Everybody knows what crime is. Everybody knows what Fatima and I do. We are the former host of Reasonable Doubt on Investigation Discovery. And we want to talk to you a little bit about crime and about cookie juice. Now, Fatima, what is cookie juice? What is cookie Chris? juice? Everybody keeps asking me. People not know what cookie juice is. <laughs> it's probably because none of the people that have followed us for all the years that we were on Reasonable Doubt, they never knew exactly what went into the decision making and the conversations that you and I had during that time. So cookie juice is the name of, really, it's an alcohol, any alcohol of your choice. The case and what's your that, alcohol of choice? My alcohol of choice has always been a bourbon, 
I'm a huge fan of Angel's Envy. And I know you guys can't see what we have on the screens right now, but I'm holding a half empty bottle of Angel's Envy. It is my favorite of all my bourbons. <laughs> I love the notes of it. It's a sweet, very light bourbon, but I usually drink my bourbon straight. And what about you, Fatima? What would you well, usually have? Tonight, I am drinking Woodford Reserve Double Oaks. Good night. Good night. Good night. Really, I have to say, this is smooth. Like, yeah. This is going down really nice. It's been right. a long day. And I was like, Ugh, I don't know if I can drink right now. But this is a very smooth whiskey here. Key straight bourbon whiskey. It's a popular one, right? Woodford Reserve. Woodford is a very popular bourbon. Yeah. Uh, it has always been Rob and I's favorite is and Jim Case is one of his favorites. Also, we usually go for a Woodford anytime we're on a plane or anytime we are all sitting back dissecting cases the cases that we looked That's into the thing. So I never really was ever a whiskey drinker no right. way I like my wine and a mixed drink but being on the road with you guys one of the reasons that I think we enjoy a good cookie juice at the end of the day is not just because it's been a long day we've had intense conversation heavy subject matter and we need a stiff one really just like drinking whiskey you have it slowly you savor every sip that's the way we digest evidence. We pour a little and we go through all the evidence little by little. We consider every piece of the evidence and what it means. And that's why we like crime and cookie juice. I thought that our first podcast, I, I would be befitting if we named the podcast after what we did on Reasonable Doubt. We looked at a lot of crime and we drank a lot of cookie juice. So that's where we get the name from at Cookie but Juice. Feel free to grab whatever drink is your yeah. drink of choice. It could yeah. be kombucha. Yeah, that's right. It could be <laughs> and wine. And pour yeah. a little and join us for yeah. our new podcast. So Chris, tell those listeners that haven't watched Reasonable Doubt that may have just stumbled across our podcast because of a goofy name, who we are. My name is Detective Chris Anderson. My partner and I, Fatima Silva, we both were host of ID's hit show, Reasonable Doubt. We did a total of five seasons on Reasonable Doubt. And if you've not followed us, you got to realize that what we did on Reasonable Doubt was more than just entertainment. It was a mission for you and I. And I, didn't, I don't think our mission is done. Even though our season's been canceled, we understood it. I think that our missions are nowhere near done. We have a lot more cases that we need to tackle. We have a lot more people that need to be helped. We have people that we're still helping. So a part of the reason why we wanted to do this podcast was to update our fans that already knew what we did on Reasonable Doubt and plus to carry on that mission. And, it, and the mission is helping those that have been wrongfully convicted. Reasonable Doubt is, we're going to talk more about it later because we have a special guest tonight, but it's a really interesting show and it was very different. If you haven't watched any episodes, they are available on IDGO and Discovery Plus all the seasons. Go and check them out. It's different than most shows you see. So it's not just a wrongful conviction show. Although every episode we would have loved to have helped these amazing families we meet that are fighting for their loved ones. Not everybody we came across was innocent. And if they were, we couldn't find any evidence to help them in an appeal to show that they should be freed. They should have an overturned conviction. That's really hard to do. So the burden in a lot of these people's defense, the burden is already high. But what this show is about is freeing either the convict or the family. 
And I think that we were able to do that a lot with families that we couldn't end up helping their loved one get out of prison. I like to think we brought them a lot of peace and answered a lot of questions they may have. And we've stayed in touch with a lot of those people through the years. And they do say that we help them move on, help them get some clarity in questions they may have, or pointed them in a different direction. And they may still be fighting and appealing their case, but now they're trying different strategies, right? So we're really proud of all the seasons we put into it. We have no idea why we were canceled, but we will be back. (laughs) We will be back even better. We still love you, ID, but y'all made the wrong decision. (laughs) Our fans are outraged. I am not, I can't even respond to all the comments. We're getting so much love that I'm like, where were you all? Were you watching? Because we could have used these ratings. It was, it has been an amazing ride. Our inboxes, our social media inboxes were immediately flooded messages of, oh no, start a revolt and I'm canceling my ID and all that other stuff. (laughs) That's part of the reason why I went ahead and did the IG live and talked to our fans in person and tried to look, (laughs) we had a great run. We had, a, we it was a five season run. But we're not done. We're, we're not done. Look. I mean, we were just getting, I was finally not complaining as much on the road and <laughs> finally getting used to leaving my kid. Actually, now I was looking forward to leaving my kid. Now it's like, mama needs a little break. I'll see you in two weeks. But before right. I was just so sad. He was so little leaving him. I just feel like we were really starting to all understand one another more. Mm-hmm. The whole team that- right. I think it is a bummer when that it happened around that time. We're huge believers in one one door closes, another one opens. So let's go That's pry right. a door open, starting right. with crab and cookie juice. That's Actually, right. we wanted, we've been wanting to do a podcast, but mm-hmm. Chris and I have so much going on. He's got a day job. I got a day job. Plus we had reasonable doubt on the side. We just kept procrastinating. And I think this has really been a kick in the butt. Wait, they canceled us? What? I was so surprised. LA Times just put out an article on us. They Mm -hmm. said that we're a different kind of show. It's what all networks need. It's what true crime needs. And they were absolutely right. And then all of a sudden we were just like, let go. That obviously is one of the reasons we really want to get on here. We're absolutely going to keep everybody updated as we go through the podcast. This isn't going to be that we don't talk about any of those cases or anything else. Reasonable Doubt is a separate show, but obviously we want to keep everybody in the loop as we have developments on some of the cases. With this new podcast, we're hoping to educate the audience on law and evidence through expert interviews and of course, bring all those updates on cases from Reasonable Doubt. But Just like we did on Reasonable Doubt, we really want to educate everyone on law and evidence and talk about current cases in the news. Let's talk about headline cases, right, Chris? Mm -hmm. We always want to. Absolutely. I'm doing some studies on some cases that I would love to put out on the podcast to give some folks some kudos and talk about some of the things that may have went wrong. And you mentioned something that I do want to go back into that I don't think a lot of people realize. Jury members knew the power that they have when they're on a jury or realize how powerful they are and they exercise that power. We wouldn't have wrongful conviction. It just wouldn't happen. You have a lot of power while you're sitting on that stand. And that's the place where we really need to stop wrongful convictions from happening. You've heard all of the arguments. You've heard everything that happened in the case. You've heard the investigators speak. You've heard the witnesses speak. And that's where the decisions are made if a person will spend some time in prison or if they'll go free. So I think that by us having this podcast and helping to educate some of the potential jurors, which are you the person that's listening to this podcast, I think by educating you, 
we can stop wrongful convictions from happening. Absolutely. Reasonable doubt. The name of our show, for people who don't know, that's the standard of proof in a criminal case, right? Reasonable doubt exists when a fact finder can't say with moral certainty that a person is guilty or a particular fact exists. So what does that mean? It means that if you are not convinced with your moral certainty that somebody committed that crime, committed that murder, then a reasonable doubt exists. And that means you can't convict. And in doing this show, in interviewing jurors, there was one comes to mind this past season who even said he wishes he held out and he feels a little bit like a coward for not holding out and saying that he didn't believe this person was guilty. He felt a little bullied by the rest of the jurors, which it happens very often. If only he would remember all it takes is one. And that is a game changer. You just have to hold out and say, I didn't have enough evidence. And I just, there's nothing you can say that's going to convince me. And so if you're ultimately not going to have that unanimous verdict, then basically you're going to end up with a mistrial. And that helps a lot because that means they have to go through a whole nother trial. And a lot of times prosecutors don't want to do that if the evidence isn't there or they don't think it's a strong case and they'll end up making a deal or not filing further. But bottom line is your vote matters more than probably a general election. So you really have to be educated and you can say, oh, I found 100% this person is guilty and this is why, or vice versa. We just want you to be informed on the impact that all of the evidence can have. Tonight, we're talking in honor of reasonable doubt and our guest, we are talking wrongful conviction. Why? Because as a detective and an attorney, we seek truth and justice. And this means one of our primary passions will always be wrongful convictions. We want to make sure people are not convicted for crimes that they didn't commit. And if they're wrongfully convicted, then we want to help in setting them free. Just so that you all have an idea of wrongful convictions and how often they have been. Chris and I have a few statistics here. The rate of wrongful convictions in the United States is estimated to be somewhere between 2% and 10%. When you apply that estimate to the prison population of 2.3 million, which is how many people we lock up in the United States, this means that 46,000 to 230,000 innocent people are locked away from crimes that they didn't commit. And that information comes from the National Registry of Exonerations. One in three people who have been proven innocent by DNA falsely confessed. Just let that sit, everyone. One in three people who have been proven innocent by DNA actually confessed to the crime. Okay. So it happens. That information was astonishing to me as a detective Mm -hmm. as well. The last one, I think is probably one of the most important ones that we've seen on all our seasons of Reasonable Doubt and one that... I've learned as an attorney, as a human being, is very concerning to me in criminal cases. Mistaken eyewitness identifications are the leading factor in wrongful convictions. They account for almost 70% of wrongful convictions overturned by post-conviction DNA evidence. So this is just convictions that are overturned by DNA evidence. Imagine all those that never even had DNA evidence to to overturn a conviction. So 70% of wrongful convictions are due to mistaken eyewitness identifications. This is huge. This means when somebody is getting in a court and they're testifying that that with they remember that face and that they wouldn't get it wrong. And that's who they saw, or that they remember this person starting the fight, or they remember this person was wearing a blue jacket, all of those things. You cannot just take 
for truth. You have to look at all the corroborating evidence. You have to listen right. to all the witnesses and see if there's anybody else who can back that up. If not, you really have to take it with a grain of salt. We're going to talk more about that in our podcast because that is so important. And I think that it's a huge problem in our society. And I think that because it hasn't been addressed as much as it should be, is the reason why it keeps happening, even in today's time. We just want to believe that we all know what we saw, right? And mm-hmm. that our memories are perfect and they don't fail us. Oh man, we are so wrong about that. So let's talk about today's guest because he is waiting to come in. That's right. So today's guest is very special to Fatima and I. He, we call him our older brother. He is the creator and executive producer of Reasonable Doubt. He also executive produced the paranormal show called The Dale Files on the Travel Channel. His name is Rob Rosen. Is he in? Is he here? He, he is in. Drum roll. Drum roll in, Rob. Yeah. Yeah. Right. There it is. There it is. The smooth and melodious voice of Robert Rosen. It's Rob good to Rosen. see you guys. This is like the old days. Like the old days. It's just like the old days. Do you have your cookie juice with you? Let's call it cookie juice for now. <laughs> Rob's got a water bottle. It's what is it? Infamil. <laughs> oh, cute. I see we're starting early. Oh, these two. Um, and Rob, got um, butters. Thank you. Rob, I'm honored to crime and cookie juice. What do you think of the name of our podcast? I love it. I told Fatima earlier today, I bequeath the name cookie juice to you. There you go. Thank you, Rob Rosen. <laughs> we appreciate you putting that on. And that is recorded. Now. <laughs> <laughs> No, so we have we've explained to our listeners exactly what Cookie Juicy is and why and how did we explain how we came up with the name of it, Fatima? I don't know. You guys were just saying it one day and I thought we are going to have cookies and I got really excited. I thought it was like cookies and milk. You guys were like bourbon. I was like, I can't remember. We were all. I think it was a little poetry, right? Bourbon is sweet and good and a treat and it's Mm -hmm. juice. And that just became our code. Right. And it winds us down. It just reminds us, like, let's take it slow. Let's go through all this, digest it slowly, not take it like a shot of Patron. Exactly. Because then we end up fighting and everything else. When we're <laughs> right. all we never fought. <laughs> never fought. Five seasons. There was never a fight. Never storming out. Mm-mm. Never crying. Who's going to cry? <laughs> nah. cries. There's, no, there's cry. no crying in television. Maybe, maybe a couple times. <laughs> maybe one. Maybe once or twice. So, Mr. Rosen. Creator, director, executive producer of Reasonable Doubt. Tell us, what gave you the idea for the show, Reasonable Doubt? So, surprisingly, it came because I listened to the original season one of Serial, which was around 2015. And while there were things that I liked about it, there were things that I didn't. I thought it was very well written. I thought that the subject matter, which wasn't being discussed enough, was something that was worth exploring. And at that point, if you go back seven years ago, literally nobody was doing any kind of true crime series where they questioned the outcomes of the verdicts. And it was just accepted. And and even to this day, it's probably 95% of the shows are this way. But what I didn't like about the show was that I felt that she was bending over backwards to try to create more doubt than there was. Now, I know based on what happened later, that that kind of drew people. If you were creating all this doubt, people are going to continue to listen, right? If you give them everything up front, it's a spoiler. Yeah, but I thought, 
how do we create a format? Because I think that this is an important topic, but how do we do a show where as far as television goes, as far as television executives go, it would be equally appealing whether the person was guilty or not guilty so that there would be no pressure at all on the talent and on the producers to do anything but follow the truth because that's how I wanted to approach it. And so that's how I thought, what if we based it on the families? What if the end wasn't the convict, but the families themselves? So that either way, however the outcome was, whatever the truth led us to, it would still be powerful. It would still would be doing a service and it would still would be good television. So I'm proud of that because look, there were a lot of imitators over the six years that we were on the air. There were a lot of imitators out there and they failed pretty quickly. And one of them in particular had a pretty good marketing budget behind it more than we ever did. And I think that it's boring, right? It's boring to take a case that you know exactly the way it's going to, it's basically the flip of those kind of shows that just in past tense tell you about a murder, right? How interesting is it? I think people just, watch them. They like to just hear about the murder, right? Yeah, I guess they do. But I look, I have a journalism background. And for me, if it wasn't going to be about the truth, I didn't want to do it. I didn't want right. to exploit victims for entertainment or for ratings. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want to simply back the system. That's the cool thing about journalism, right? You can take a topic that you're interested in, and maybe you don't even have a fixed opinion, but it's okay. I want to enter this world and I want to explore. I want to learn about it. But if you're in the kind of thing where you're stuck in an advocacy position one way or the other, then you're not learning anymore. Now you're like manipulating facts to try to get to an end result. And that was the, that was critical to me that we didn't do that. No, we did not. As a matter of fact, we would get a lot of heat for basically not being advocates every time. Mm -hmm. And as a criminal defense attorney, that was hard for me in the beginning because I felt like I need to advocate even if there's some doubt. And we talk about this a lot. It took me a while to finally realize this is not about representing anyone. I don't have an interest in this. The only interest I have is truth and justice. And if this person actually did it, and all the evidence points to that, or there's no evidence to point to their innocence at this point, then we can't give false hope. People just didn't understand that sometimes when the show first started. I think by now we have a great following of folks who understand the purpose behind the show is not necessarily to help the convict every time because they just want truth. But it is difficult because people do want to see, okay, are you here to help a family? If not, okay, why are you even on the air? I've seen some of our avid fans, some fans that have been following us since day one of us putting the show out. I've seen them finally realizing, okay, I'm getting it now. I understand. It's about freeing people, not necessarily a convict every time. So I get it now. And it took them five seasons to understand that. Kudos to you, Rob, for even coming up with the premise behind this. Uh, but well, I, Chris, I, I do want to say before you ask that question, you did always phrase it best. We either free a convict or free a family. And I thought that was a great way to put it. Thank and you. And I just that. kept saying, free the convict. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Y'all, stop, it stop took me that. some time. And, and this, goes back, this goes back to the tears we were talking about. <laughs> right. so why am I even here? What did you hire me for? What's the purpose? Because we need to give the families truth. Yeah. It's tough, but I see it now. I see it in families who today will say, um, somebody recently was, they had DM me and we didn't give them good news. And she said, you just blessed my life. I thought, wow, (laughs) I I guess I see it just giving them truth and with love and grace. I know that 
that's something that Chris and I brought to the show because I just want to let you all know Rob Rosen is very black and white. He is a journalist yeah. mm-hmm. to the core. And sometimes he was like, okay, why are you guys so sweet about this? Come on. You just need to give the hard truth. And we just couldn't do it. And how we're a little different. Did that? I told you guys uh, the last night when we wrapped season five, I said, you guys really taught me something because I've always believed all you needed was the truth. The truth is a North Star. But you guys really taught me that how you deliver that truth is just as important as the truth itself. And that's something I really wasn't very sensitive to. It's a, it's always about empathy, man. We had to be empathetic in, in any news that we were delivering, but you have to be, you have to do it in an empathetic and compassionate way. So here is my question, Rob Rosen. What was it that gave you the idea of putting a defense attorney, a police officer in the same room and allowing them to come to putting facts in their faces and make it and helping them to come to a conclusion that match them both because look if you don't know law enforcement and defense attorneys usually <laughs> don't work well together look it's not we personal like but, each other normally but it's, it's just business you know, we just don't work well together because we come from two completely separate sides of the law so what was it that 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 gave you the idea of putting a fatima and a detective chris anderson together I think it's exactly what you said. I like the dynamic of two people who come in from two very different disciplines, having to come together, work as a team and actually fight for truth together. So both of you guys, when you were, we were in the casting process, if you remember, I would ask questions for you, Chris. I don't remember what was in the news. It might've been Ferguson at that time or the case out, up out of New York, but I remember asking you about it because what I was hoping I wouldn't hear is someone who's going to defend the blue at all costs, because then I knew you wouldn't be the right person. But you had mm-hmm. very measured and very and nuanced answers and thoughts about it. I remember what you said about Michael Brown, which stuck with me all this time, which was interesting. And I never heard any other analyst say it, which if you don't mind me recapping, no. you had said the biggest mistake that officer made is he tried to make an arrest without getting out of his car. And I've watched hours of coverage. I never saw anybody say that. And then Fatima, I remember coming up to your office and I would ask you some questions about law enforcement and you did have some nuanced answers. You did. You weren't someone who just thought every single person was necessarily innocent. And so that was part of it. And I think both of you were cast one because you could see both sides and also because you have that quality, both of you, that I think is so hard to find in television which is empathy, but also the strength to call out BS because a lot of people just bleed empathy. And I will say that about it. I don't even remember her name, but the woman who did the serial podcast, she's empathy without ever calling out the BS. Yes. So it's always, he doesn't sound like a murderer, but that, that was grating for me. I wanted someone who could also be like, wait a minute. You just said this a minute ago that you loaned the car to this guy, but you barely knew him. Why? And she really didn't bring that to the table. But I think that both of you did. Both of you would sit with the families, cry with the families, but also call them out when they Mm -hmm. were being unreasonable. And that's a very delicate, fine line. And I think you guys did it so well. Why crime, Rob? Because I know you you come from a journalism background, but why choose crime? I guess for me, it's always like exploring worlds, right? Mm -hmm. So I've done a paranormal show for a long time, and that's a world that I didn't really know very much about when I came into it. And it was interesting to me, like I wanted to explore it. So for me, it wasn't so much the crime aspect of it. This is just for me. This show worked on so many different levels because 
It's about the possibility of a miscarriage of justice. I said it a million times, so you guys got sick of hearing it, but I'll out myself. I'm a libertarian, so I'm always concerned about too much state power. So I had an interest in that. I wanted to see what it was in this area. It was just starting to be talked about, right? This is just like a year after Ferguson. So I was interested. I really wanted to see how bad is the problem? And I had an open mind about it. Were we going to find rampant miscarriages of justice or just isolated incidents? I wanted to see what kind of crimes, but there are other levels that it worked on for me too. I'm always fascinated by people's belief. And what was it that made some people so sure, even though we had cases where the convict was terrible to their family and still being very manipulative from behind bars. And yet people clung to that convict so fiercely. It's almost like the worse that they, that convict would treat the family, the more they were dug in and fighting. And that fascinates me and family and manipulation. So for me, it was interesting on a lot of different levels. What was the most difficult part in producing a show like this? What'd you say? I think the hardest part, and we'll give a shout out to Desma Simon, who is the co-executive producer. And we cannot forget her. Now. So she dealt with this a lot. You are in each one of these episodes. Yes. On one level, it is about a murder, but you're also dealing with broken families. And I think the hardest part was keeping that together. We, we had some episodes and some cases that we wanted to look at that we thought were interesting, but ultimately the family was too fractured. Half of them might have thought that the convict was guilty, half didn't. They were t- trying to get each other to do it and to not do it. And I think trying to work with families that are that ruptured, that are that broken, and and keeping them together and keeping them focused on what the mission is. Why? Are you, let's remember why you're bringing Chris and Fatima here. And... I know you guys felt this too, because we talked about it. The ideal families, the ones that were the most rewarding, whether the convict was innocent or guilty, were the families that were truly unsure at this point. And they didn't trust the system and they didn't trust the lawyers, but they trusted you. And they really needed to know the truth and they really wanted to know the truth. And we had a couple cases this last season that really were like that. And I thought those were really powerful. A lot of times people would tell our producers, all the right things. Absolutely. We're on a mission for the truth. We don't know. But then you get there, you realize there's nothing we're going to say that's going to change their mind. Mm-hmm. They you just show them to... a video and they just want their kid home. And it's understandable. But I think you guys probably had more empathy for it than I did. I would get frustrated with them. <laughs> but, we yeah. always have way more empathy. than That's why you're a director, though. You keep you just keep the goal in mind. You keep going and you're just like, we don't have time for all this crying and handholding and everything else. Let's keep this, let's keep this flowing. Come on, Fatima. But that's good. We learned so much from this show, from working with you. Of course, we're not done by any means with working no. together, but it was very interesting to do a show like this. It has shaped so much of the way that I practice now in my private practice, the kind of attorney that I am, the way that I look at evidence, not to mention, of course, all of the interviews we get to do with experts has, I have so much more knowledge now. These are people I wouldn't normally have at my fingertips. They cost a lot of money and I've learned so much. I've become a better attorney because of it, but all of us working together, I think we all brought something different to the table. Our personalities were so different. Desma, who at some point we'll have her on a future podcast because she is now off show running another show. Yeah. 
and yep. we're excited for her and what she's doing. But an angel sent to this show because she did work with the families very closely, held their hands throughout the process. And that is very difficult. Yeah. What is just a short time that we're with the families, but behind the scenes, it's six months longer, just trying mm-hmm. to get these families together, all the logistics. It's really tough work. I think the crew as a whole, everybody did an amazing job. We're very proud to be a part of the show and we hope it keeps going in other ways. What do you think, Rob? Are you ready to keep up or ready to keep trying? Let's keep trying a hundred percent. Look, this is a, this is important. I, and again, I don't want to get on the journalism high horse too much. I'm sure you guys get sick. You of always it, but do. Go ahead. I do think, and I do think that this role has been abdicated to some degree, but journalists have to keep truth to power, whether it's the judicial system, whether it's CEOs of corporations, whether it's presidents, whether it's governments. And I feel that in a lot of cases these days been co-opted. So I'm really proud, not only of you guys, because you guys were amazing and cared so much, but I'm proud that we never gave in. We never, we were going to go down doing it the right way. We were going to, we were going to look at each case fairly and in a balanced way and let the facts lead us to a conclusion as opposed to the other way around. But when it was wrong and when, and we saw some real big miscarriages of justice out there and it was wrong, we weren't afraid to call it. And I think we, and I think we got some results. I agree with everything that we just said here, guys. I don't think you can look at a show or especially be a part of a show like Reasonable Doubt, like the way that we did things. I don't think that you can go and not learn something. I'm almost 30 years as a cop, man. And I learned a lot, a lot of it about investigating cases, about how the process worked to being on this show. I'm a much better investigator since being a part of this show. I've learned so much and gained so much knowledge that if I went back into the war right now, I could probably solve a case or two. Back to those cold cases. Right, go back to the cold cases and let's crack them boys open and see what we can find in there. I think a favorite moment of mine was when I heard Chris and we were speaking at a crime con in Vegas and he told the whole audience, Rob, he said, I tell all my loved ones, don't you say a word until you have your lawyer. (laughs) And who told him that? What lawyer to call? (laughs) For sure, you're going to be the first person we call if either of us are in trouble. I've already said it. I got you. Don't say a word. Rob, you are a creator. That's what you do. You constantly have ideas. So what's next for you? What else are you thinking? I've got some ideas that are cooking. Some of them are in the true crime space, but, but again, and we've all talked about this. I don't want to do, I don't want to do the traditional kind of case where you're just sort of telling a crime story or a murder story for entertainment. I'm looking for ways like with this show to really flip the genre on its head a little bit and be able to explore something truthfully and with heart. I know that's vague. You don't want to. I can't say. I can't can't say too much just yet. Mr. Vague. Hey, I know a good detective and a good lawyer if you need him for this. I I do. Oh, look, we are all going to work together again, somehow, some way. We formed a road family since 2016. So we can't get rid of each other if we try. I like the point that you make there, Rob. And I think that's something, Chris, and I want to make clear too with this podcast. So this podcast is going to be discussing 
cases in the headlines from different perspectives, obviously law enforcement versus defense attorney, all different sides, right? Chris and I can always play devil's advocate. Mm -hmm. And one of the things we really want to do is continue to educate our audience on the law, on how to analyze evidence and take in facts. And one thing you're not going to get with this podcast, everyone is just retelling the story of somebody else's crime or what happened to a victim. That's not something we want to do. We don't want to rehash any of that and exploit people's pain for no other purpose but entertainment reasons. We want to make sure that people are learning from each uh, scenario, each case, that you take something away from it. And so that's what we hope to bring you um, as we continue with Crime and Cookie Juice. I am going to be listening. I'm going to be subscribing. <laughs> I can't wait be, to say. I... He's going to be the one on all the reviews. Right, okay, stop right. interrupting, Chris. Put your head close to the microphone, Chris. <laughs> You- I gotta, I've got to ask you guys, I'm sorry, I know it's your show and I shouldn't be asking the questions, but out of all the cases you did, is there one that just really stuck with you the most that you just could never let go of? Casey Grondon for me, because it's still happening. When is that trial happening? It's now, it was supposed to be this month and it got pushed now to the spring and it, it keeps getting pushed and he's getting a new trial. And I think Chris and I have to have some conversations about how we can be a part of that and go. And perhaps I plan hopefully to have some, a couple of these podcasts dedicated to that case alone to let people know what's happening with it and what some things that couldn't come out on the show, right? Because there's just so much information, but that one stays with me because he's not in the appeals process yet. We actually have a chance. We, our show is called reasonable doubt and we are still at the phase of, is this going to be proven beyond a reasonable doubt? We can actually make a difference with this case right now by having these conversations and making sure that it's tough because you don't want to get a juror who's been influenced by any of the outside evidence. Right. But people in general learning about this case so that they understand when somebody is put on trial, you still have to give them the benefit of the doubt, innocent until proven guilty. How about you, Chris? There are several cases that really just stand out to me. Of course, Mac Phelps in season one, that was one that stood out to me because of everything that was happening with me personally. And Michael Crump, Michael Crump is one that stands out to me because that could happen to anybody. That could be anybody that's on this podcast right now. His case has always stood out to me. There are several of them. We had some cases David Clark is special to me because I, I believe that he was wronged and now he's out. 30 years later, my heart goes out to him. Hopefully we can get him on and find out what life is like right now, but I imagine it's hard. By the way, Mac was the episode where I was sitting back in Video Village, and that's where the television monitors are, where we sit in the back, and we were talking to the family. That's when I knew the show was special. His parents were very stiff upper lip. Mm -hmm. They had been disappointed for so long. And the powerful, the emotion in that room that's when I was like, we're onto something here. This is something that needs to be on TV, that needs to be broadcast. There's so many cases. And for me, sometimes it's even the ones where we didn't get behind it. Like Mm -hmm. early this season, the case with, oh my God, out of Dallas, Laverne. That was a really, that was powerful. That kind of stuck with me. And the family stay with me, Lachelle. Yeah. From the Nets case. Yeah. Yeah. Special people. Yeah, Yeah, we really got to meet so many people, so many families, so many, God, I remember you doing the interview with the Evaristo case. I remember the victim's brother and that, do you remember that interview? It was so 
painful. And I watched the cuts a million times and it's each time you were just, it's like a gut punch. It was, yeah. it, he was hurting like it had just happened. And I felt a lot of his pain. Yeah. That one was really tough. Some these families, they absolutely stay with you. And that's why we hope to now, I think we'll even have more time to make sure to reach out to them and see if we yeah. can get them on here and just tell Start. us what life is like now for those that are still waiting, because this judicial process takes a very long time. It's slow. We hope to bring you updates, but it may not necessarily be something that's completely different than you just learned in, by watching the episode, but maybe at least hearing how the families are living their lives now is helpful. Rob, lastly, do you have any advice for families who are fighting for their loved ones and who they believe is wrongfully convicted and they just don't know where else to turn? I think you've got to use the media. I think it's important. We're in a day and age where the squeaky wheel gets the oil. And if for families that don't have unlimited funds, right, and they can't go out and hire the best attorneys, I think if you're able to call assignment desks at television newsrooms, like the local television news, when we did the Bertha case, Bertha Owens, Owens, yeah, uh, yep, out of St. Louis, that investigative reporter who you interviewed, Fatima, got the ball rolling a little bit and got a little bit of momentum for a case that was had been forgotten. And then there was a newspaper article that also helped. I think that one of the biggest things, obviously, they're going to try to contact or should try to contact the Innocence Project or places like that. But if they're not getting anything going through there, I think sometimes just getting a story out there in the news. There was a case when I first started my career and I worked at a KFMB in San Diego and there was a local African-American kid who had spent, he was a teenager. He had spent this summer in Texas with his parents in some small town. And he ended up getting picked up and convicted of a murder. But we got on that case. I wasn't involved with it. I was too young, but our investigative reporter got on that case and found people at the fast food restaurant who were going on the air and saying he was definitely there that day. They finally actually got his time card that showed that he had punched in and punched out. Mm. And at first the DA was like, nah, we're the jury has spoken, but we fought and we pushed and we fought and it happened. He eventually yeah. got released. And this is 30 years ago. Media is I powerful. Think, yeah, I think the media is powerful. So look, if a family out there feels like they're stuck, start by contacting the your the assignment desk at the newspaper, at the local TV station. Those TikTok justice warriors, they're on it. Yeah. <laughs> they really are. My advice might be a little bit old school because I'm seeing the the, <laughs> Get the, out the, your the typewriter. Yeah, and right. Send a letter. Tap it in stone. <laughs> send a smoke signal. Extra, extra. Read all about it. Read those yellow pages from underneath the sink. <laughs> Look up local KTVL. <laughs> oh, you just asked that question. It's like, oh, I see the cookie juice. Yeah, that's right, sir. <laughs> I'm almost done nice. with mine. Rob, we have loved having you. I actually sad that we don't have you on every podcast. We'll bring you in again, just like I old would times. Love to. We love you. Thanks for coming on our new little podcast. And we are super excited to see what you do next and where you shop uh, reasonable doubt so that we can get back on the network. <laughs> exactly. Get to Look. work. You guys are the best. Good luck with the podcast. I know it's going to be great. And I can't wait to see what you guys do next. But we're on touch all the time. So you're going to tell yeah. me. So we'll text later. So family, I want to thank y'all for coming in and listening to our very first episode of Crime and Cookie Juice, where you can come in, pull up a chair, or your glass of your favorite liquor, and listen to 
What's Happening in Crime from your favorite hosts, Fatima Silva and Chris Anderson. Until next time, good night, everyone.